a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. Along with Amy Donaldson, I'm Jason Lee. On this episode, we are joined by author and attorney Mitch Vilos, and we're going to discuss uh, some Second Amendment issues. This is kind of based on what's been going on this past this week, uh, including legislation proposed by Joseph Biden and his administration, as well as some executive orders that actually, uh, I guess, are going to go into effect. And this is kind of in response to a spate of uh, deadly shootings across the country. But uh, Mitch, I wanted to, uh, if you could, can you... Uh, Talk a little bit about your background, and I know you're an author, and you've been involved in, uh, you know, kind of the legislative process with regard to uh, Second Amendment uh, issues. I have. Uh, I've been practicing law, uh, primarily injury law, for uh, over 40 years now, and uh, a little over um, 15 years ago, uh, I wrote the first book because I started getting concerned about Second Amendment issues. I wrote the Utah gun law book, um, and now we're in our fifth edition. And uh, after we wrote that, and I saw that the chapter on self-defense wasn't uh, as in detail as I would have liked it to be, my son and I Uh uh, putting together the self-defense. I'm sorry, one more time. I'm sorry. You said your son and I were doing what? Uh, We... uh, we put together a book uh, addressing the self-defense laws of all 50 states uh, because self-defense is, is such a, a touchy issue. And prior to that, I had had uh, – uh, I, I represented Superdell Shanzi in his brandishing case. Oh, yeah. uh, I don't know if you guys remember that. But, what, can you kind of remind us what that was? Uh, uh, I don't know if you remember Superdell. He was a computer uh, executive – who advertised on television and radio. And we love had, you. That's right. Uh, he had kind of a brash advertising style. And incidentally, he was very honorable with me. Uh, he he retained me to, to uh, defend him in a, a charge. Uh, he was taking his daughter up onto the South Mountain where they hang glide. And uh, some uh, residents uh, accosted him. And he wasn't sure what their intentions were, so he uh, he drew his concealed weapon and and held it at what we call low ready, and uh, and he was charged with brandishing. And I defended that case. It was uh, we successfully defended the brandishing charge. Was found not guilty. My my, look, I got a quick Dale Shanzi story. So locally, he's like you said, he owned that computer business and he had these great commercials. But I remember one of the stories when I was working for KSL Radio. I actually went over to, uh, he owned at the time, uh, gosh, I can't, I can't remember, the, uh, the, uh, a gun uh, range and store. Yeah, and, totally and awesome gun. Totally awesome. Thank you. I could not think of that for the life of me. So I went over there and he let me shoot a little bit. That was one of the first times I've ever, sh- I've only shot at that time maybe once or twice before that. And he, he was a great shot, obviously. He was uh, pretty good with it. But he was, um, 
he was nice to me. So I, I, oh, he, I, I he got was, a good sense from him. Yeah, it was a different personality off off the television uh, uh, advertising platform. So with regard to uh, these things that are going on, and especially what we see now is, is some of these issues facing, uh, you know, just guns. And, and we, we often seem to react when bad things happen, which isn't necessarily good because that's typically not you should be doing this not in, irrationally, but in a rational sense so that you can be as logical as possible and, and try to, uh, you know, see things as clearly as possible. I don't know. That's always the way this is done. Uh, what do you think of I wanted, uh, some of the executive orders? that uh, President Biden put out. I know one of them, uh, basically, he's trying to figure out ways to prevent what he does, prevent uh, some of these incidents from happening. But I I don't know that, uh, you know, those things are necessarily uh, going to happen, uh, considering some of the, uh, you know, the the actions taking place most recently. Hey, Jason, can we just really, can we just, I'm sorry to jump in, Mitch, but I just really want to quickly say what happened, what what the executive orders were yesterday. Um, They touched on ghost guns, ghost guns, firearms without serial numbers that are sold in kits. Uh, He directed the Justice Department to draft a new rule regulating um, a device that can be put on a pistol to turn it into a short barrel rifle. Um, And he also asked the Justice Department to create templates that states can use to enact red flag laws which are, um, that allows a judge to seize firearms from people who are, who they determine are uh, a threat to themselves or others. And then I th- I believe um, he there also was an ordered order a, for the uh, gun trafficking study. They want to reinstate yes. that one that uh, helped yeah. police determine, you know, the source of guns used in crime. Yeah. And so just that's a super quick uh, overview of it. I think people were surprised he didn't address the liability shield. We're going to talk about all these things throughout this podcast, but just give us sort of your initial reaction to yesterday's executive orders. Well, like most gun control attempts, uh, and this is my opinion, uh, they don't work. Uh, and uh, it's, it's certainly not about safety. For example, if you look at the uh, threat to uh, pass another assault weapons ban, we had assault weapons ban for 10 years uh, from 2000 or from 1994 to 2004. And the statistics showed that it had no appreciable effect on homicides. Uh, so, and then the, the ghost, I can go through every one of these. I mean, I, this is not going to help. I, hey, can I, uh, can I just ask you, I know it didn't have an impact on homic- the homicide rate, but what about mass shootings? Uh I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, mass shootings have, have increased. It was interesting. Last year, we had no mass shootings. If you define mass shootings, uh, and that was 2020, uh, if you define mass shootings as the uh, shooting by uh, a stranger uh, with no connections to the victims, uh, and uh, there, there weren't any, and all of a sudden, you know, this year now we have uh, had two or three of them. Yeah, but I don't know if that's a really good explanation. I mean, a mass, if, if you just happen to kill eight members of your family, that's a mass shooting. That the fact that you happen to know them shouldn't, you know, change the definition of that. I, I think it's just as tragic. And again, I'm, I'm not one of these gun control people, actually. I own a gun and I, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. But I, I think it's kind of unfair to su- suggest that just because you don't know them that you would categorize, uh, you know, one thing that is actually the exact same act uh, as different from the other one. Well, you know, that's a domestic violence issue, really, and that has been a problem. Uh, but, you know, people commit domestic violence in many ways, mm-hmm. poison, 
firebombs, you know, I mean, uh, it's, it, if they don't have guns, then they're going to do it. Knives, uh, as far as, as far as, uh, the statistics go, I mean, for example, assault rifles, um, which are a very important part of our, our national defense, assault rifles that are much more powerful than AR-15s and AK-47s, uh, uh, are, uh, sold by the United States Army to citizens between the ages of 17 and 45 as a vital segment of our national defense. And that's been the case for a long time. I mean, they're, they're considered the unorganized militia and uh, they're expected so to have military-style so, weapons. Mm-hmm, but I have a question on that because I heard, I just read... Yeah, one minute. I know, six months ago, the militia is actually the National Guard now. So we don't need an organized, we don't need an unorganized militia to defend our country. We have well, our military. Actually, if you look at federal law and state law, we have an unorganized militia still on the books. Yeah, but I mean, there's plenty of things that are on the books that uh, aren't necessarily useful anymore. Well, but well, you're not going to... Yeah. It Go is ahead, useful Go because ahead. If, if you, for example, you look at Israel, almost everybody's armed, and they've pretty much eliminated mass shootings by uh, uh, counsel by the leaders to have citizens carrying pistols the, the people that have pistol permits to carry them at all times. They've pretty much eliminated mass shootings. And, and that's been the problem all along. You see a lot of these mass shootings, 98% of them are, uh, uh, are in gun-free zones where citizens have been disarmed. And that was never the intent of the founding fathers. So, you know, it's just, uh, it, it creates a victim-rich uh, uh, grounds to, to commit mass murder. And, 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 I, people that create gun-free zones, it's a, it's a reckless policy, in my well, humble opinion. When we come back, I want to continue this discussion because you bring up a lot of interesting points here. I, I, <clears throat> I would still like to uh, kind of continue down the road and, and, like you say, have you identify some of these things. And I think Amy wants to talk about, uh, you know, shield laws, too. Uh, we're speaking today with author and attorney Mitch Vilos about Second Amendment issues, kind of in the wake of uh, President Biden issuing uh, a number of executive orders to what he believes may somehow, uh, you know, mitigate people using guns in, in, in violent ways. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about it and hopefully uh, provide some insightful information. You're listening to Voices of Reason. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. We are back with the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee with Amy Donaldson, speaking today with author and attorney Mitch Vilos. We're discussing Second Amendment issues kind of in the wake of legislation and executive orders proposed by the Biden administration to uh, kind of as in reaction to uh, what's been ha- happening with some mass shootings that have been going on across the country. You know, Mitch, you mentioned uh, in, in the last segment, speaking, for instance, in, in Israel, where everyone has the opportunity to carry a firearm and 
in, in some ways, I'm with you because I'm, I'm a person who has a gun and I, I actually have a concealed carry permit, though I don't, you know, carry all the time or anything. But, um, you know, you don't have to apologize to me. No, no, I'm with you. I just I'm not, I don't I don't believe me. I am not apologetic. But he's I, just letting he's just letting other people know. Don't be afraid of me. Yeah. It's well, like, yeah. I'm black. They're, they're I mean, he's a black man yeah. in Utah. So he say, has to make that distinction. I do. I, I, there's a uh, what do you call it? I got to preface everything by saying that. So what I uh, do worry about, though, for instance, I, I took the FBI Citizens Academy. And in that Good. Citizens Academy, they give you like scenarios, for instance. And one of the things they talked about was what happened at Virginia Tech. Or, and, I, and you could use this, like, for instance, if you are in any situation where there was a crowd of people, and oftentimes these criminals who are uh, perpetrating these horrific uh, uh, instances of, uh, you know, mass murder, they look like you and me. They're not dressed necessarily in fatigues or, you know, these, uh, like back in the day when they would wear these goth clothes. I mean, and, and on occasion that would happen. But generally speaking, like the high school kid that did the shooting at uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Florida, uh, they look like us. The kid at Virginia Tech was a student. He looked like everybody else. So if everybody's got a gun, you don't necessarily know who the bad guy is. Well, Juan Pierre used to say that ridiculous thing about the only thing that can stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. That was always a dumbass thing to say because you don't know who the bad guys are just by looking at them. So don't you worry or do you have any concern about the fact that even in, in Israel where it may have some effectiveness, in our culture, whereas we're a little more cowboy than they seem to be, uh, that there would be, uh, you know, some danger in having everybody have a gun. Uh, no. Uh, 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 an armed society is a peaceful society generally, especially in the United States. I mean, if you look, for example, in my city, Centerville, I, I think we have more guns than people. That's America and, right there, man. Uh, there are yeah. more guns than people, right? Yeah, yeah and, and, and Centerville's even more heavily armed than than your average uh place uh in the united states and we've never had a murder since uh catalog since 2001 since the uh, citydata.com was uh keeping track we had a we had a homicide that initiated with a carjacking uh outside of centerville outside of davis county and the man uh went up onto a freeway ramp and and tragically uh T-boned a uh, young lady mm -hmm. uh, who was going through a green light, and and they charged him with murder initially, but it had nothing to do with guns. And then, you know, it was it was settled as a automobile homicide. But that's the only murder uh, charge that I'm aware of in Centerville uh, since 2001. And and I've been, lived here since 1990, and I'm not aware of any murders uh, in Centerville. And you think that's that. uh, indirect? correlation to everybody being uh well potentially being armed i think that has some effect uh, if you look at uh for example vermont uh you don't need a permit to carry concealed uh you know they have a high incidence of, of people carrying guns they're consistently one of the lowest murder rates in the country utah is always among the, the lowest five as far as murder rates and so you start disarming citizens you create a problem. You you create uh, an attraction to uh, defenseless victims, especially for mass shootings. The the theater shooting in uh, Denver area uh, a few years ago. Uh, the only theater that had a no weapon sign in in a six mile radius was the one that the uh, murderer, mass murderer, uh, 
chose to inflict the casualties in. So, you know, it not only – Trolley Square, for example, Trolley Square, I think they still have a no-weapon sign. I think it's a reckless policy. It just sends the wrong message to crazy people who want to uh, create havoc. And, uh, well, let me let me jump in on this um, idea that 98% of the shootings happen in gun-free zones because I've looked that up because I've heard it before um, a couple years ago, and it's actually not true. Um, there's well, you can definitely look. Well, if you it, and the, the federal government, the FBI, the Department of Justice define a mass shooting as four. A, a, one continuous action where four people or more are killed with a gun, with a weapon, right? With a, I a, think that's with a, a weapon. Brady right? Center. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. the Brady Center's definition. No, it's the it's the crime stats. I looked it up when we had this discussion a few years ago, and so I was like, well, what is a mass shooting? And I I I did I've never heard the thing about being related or not related, and that that's an interesting component that I don't I don't know about, but. But I did look up um, this 98% is in gun-free zones because as of now, I mean, if you look at concerts, there's really no place in our society where we haven't had a mass shooting. Um, we've had them at grocery stores. We've had them at, um, in bars. We've had it at that. I mean, the country music concert, I remember reading an interview with one of my, I'm a huge country music fan, where they said there were more guns in that crowd than you know anywhere. And they were useless because the guy's up in a, you know, a hotel window with a, uh, you know, a weapon that probably the military would have, would have had to, would only be, have been an effective tool, you know, to, to reply to. So I think this, if we, my problem with gun debate or gun discussion is that we can't even really agree on facts. And so I understand what happened yesterday with Joe Biden. And I even told Jason, like, oh, I don't know if I want to keep talking about guns because I am not a advocate of people not being able to get guns i just don't see the problem with a background check with i i'm not a fan of registration but i but i think if you're going to have an ar-15 or an ak-47 you should register it why um because we have to register a car because we but have to we have to have insurance a a, so a car, is a, driving is a privilege a gun to is me a right. to me having an ak-47 and ar-15 is a privilege having well, something no to it's, a to yourself, it's totally different I would, I'm, I'm no, having with you a ha okay, and that's fine. But I'm saying to, for me, these are sort of like do background checks, um, close loopholes at gun shows. Like, I, but I don't think I don't like waiting periods. I don't. I think if you just look at like what causes the problem and what could solve the problem, some of these things I do think are helpful. Some of the things that he signed are not helpful. One question I'd love for your insight, your insider opinion on is this idea of. Um, the liability shield like why should gun manufacturers be protected um and not why can't victims sue you got victims. two minutes okay victims uh of uh defective guns can sue all day long if the gun is okay. defective it blows up in your face uh you could do that the only protect the only reason they protected the uh manufacturers is because uh it's from guns being misused uh, in other words, you don't you don't uh, allow a lawsuit against General Motors because someone took an automobile and ran into a crowd and killed a number of people. That's just not done. Uh, it, it's not even considered. But with guns, uh, the the trial lawyers and I'm one of them. But uh, trial lawyers have pushed it to the point where they're blaming gun manufacturers for guns being used for what they were intended to do. And uh, for guns being used for not what they were intended to do. They were intended to be used for self-defense, not for murder. 
And there's not say, a gun manufacturer in the country that intends for his product to be used in a murder. It's the same with car manufacturers. I, I, so would, I would suggest car manufacturers and gun manufacturers being right. treated the same. But you can still sue, and that's a false statement. It's overly broad when President Biden says uh, that they can't be sued. That's not true. You can be you can sue a gun manufacturer for a defective well, product. So is it is it not true that there are shield laws? Because there's not shield laws for car manufacturers. That, I mean, you, like you say, people just don't do it. But there are actually um, the legal protections for gun manufacturers that are really difficult for victims to overcome. What are you talking about? People don't get killed by cars? I mean... No, no, but they're not used to kill as much as... Uh, come on. Oh, no, no. No, what yeah. I mean is there's not a, there's not, there aren't statutes that actually protect the yes. car makers. It just doesn't happen, right? Like, so... What I, in what I've read about the shield laws is that people who are attempting to sue gun manufacturers, it's almost impossible because there are federal um, laws that protect those manufacturers. But there are, these don't exist in, like you say, in other areas because trial lawyers don't sue the gun. They don't sue General Motors or Ford or whatever. So there are not those same legal protections. See what I'm saying? So, uh, Mitch, I'm going to let you answer that. I just want to start because we've gone a little bit long. When we come back, we'll have him answer that question about these shield laws. And, and again, I, I think he raises a good point. We, we're trying to be fair about all of these laws that we enact. We also have to think about them in a reasonable fashion. We're speaking today with author and attorney Mitch Velos, talking about Second, second Amendment issues and gun control. You're listening to Voices of Reason. back with the voice the loudmouth project voices of reason jason lee along with amy donaldson speaking today with mitch velos he's an attorney and author and we're talking today about second amendment issues amy brought up in the last segment mitch uh, uh, some of these shields and you you kind of use the uh the analogy that you know there are car manufacturers don't have necessarily laws that preclude them from being able to manufacture and they're not respond held responsible for if somebody uses them in a criminal fashion and uh amy's idea was that it was interesting to her that there are no laws, that, that, that there are laws trying to protect gun manufacturers. And uh, so we want to get your opinion on, as to what you thought, what you think of that and, and why that might be the case. The fact is, I mean, Amy, you talk about the facts. The car manufacturers have not been sued by trial lawyers uh, for mass murder with automobiles. If they were, there probably would be a, a, a law passed because uh, just like with, with guns, because Trial lawyers are now suing uh, gun manufacturers or have or tried to sue uh, for uh, the guns being misused. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, I agree. I, I agree. But that's the only I'm... difference. That's the only difference. It's the only difference. It's what the trial lawyers have done. If the trial lawyers start to sue uh, car manufacturers uh, for uh, uh, misuse of the automobile. Uh, to, to commit murder, you're going to see a federal law that prohibits that, oh. and rightfully so. So, but let me ask you, as a lawyer, would that be appropriate? Because my understanding was that there's legal protection for gun manufacturers, distributors, and dealers because it's a constitutionally protected right. Driving a car, as Jason points out, is not a constitutionally protected right. So, it's would it? Would they? It's would immaterial they, to yeah, the question. Yeah. Uh, as okay. soon as you see trial lawyers start suing uh, car manufacturers for murders. Mm. Uh, there's going to be protection. They haven't done that yet, so there wasn't a need for a federal statute. Now there's a need for a federal statute because clever trial lawyers are trying to hold gun manufacturers 
responsible for the acts of murderers misusing their product, and that's wrong. Yeah, I, I can't argue okay. And And so I was wondering um, what your thoughts are on, like, um, this idea that we would uh, outlaw certain types of guns. Like I said, I think it, having an AR-15 should be legal, but you should have to register and have insurance for it. Yeah, Jason bristled at that. I'm just wondering your thoughts on that. Well, my thoughts are, first of all, if you're talking about AR-15s and AK-47s, they're nothing as powerful, not nearly as powerful as M1s and M1As mm -hmm. that the United States Army has been mandated by federal law to sell to members of the militia, which is defined as the unorganized militia, every citizen between the ages of 17 and 45, and uh, the, uh, and of course the, the organized militia is the National Guard, and they clearly have uh, not only semi-automatic rifles, they have automatic rifles, they have uh, units that have uh, uh, cannons and tanks and airplanes, uh, so... <laughs> but but the average citizen, though, cannot have a, a tank or a rocket launcher, you know. So no, I, that's the difference between right. the organized militia and the unorganized militia. The unorganized militia is intended to uh, also defend the United States from insurrections, uh, foreign despots, uh, defend against tyranny, etc. We were intended by the founding fathers to be an armed citizenry, just like. Israel, just like Switzerland. I serve my LDS mission in Switzerland. Virtually every home has a machine gun in Switzerland, and their their murder rate is extremely low. You just Which don't is... break into a uh, you don't break into a home in Switzerland. Uh, you shouldn't break into a home in, in Centerville either because it's very very dangerous to do that. What I think is funny I... about that is Switzerland is famously neutral when it comes to you know uh, national issues and getting into wars. Yet. What would otherwise would seem to be a pretty, I mean, as you point out, it's it's a very uh, nonviolent country just in general. They don't have a whole lot of crime, certainly not violent crime, and everybody has a gun. Yeah, exactly. That's it. So I was, um, when you, why can't we like have good discussions and come to like middle ground on this? Like, why is it all or nothing? Like, it's ban this, or everybody gets a fifty guns, or I, why can't it their discussion kind of be more like what? What's something everyone can... Because I know a lot of people believe a background check is not an unreasonable thing for gun owners to have to put themselves through, but I know gun owners who are opposed to that. And they really... There just doesn't seem to be a, an ability, especially amongst lawmakers, to have sort of normal civil discussions about, like, what would you accept or what would... Because, I mean, I, I do think they should be regulated in some way. Well, then should we regulate your uh, free speech? Well, well you, it, you is. You I, yell, it is. You can't you, yell, I can't yell fire, fire in a theater. theater. <laughs> but I can shoot up a, a theater, right? I can't so, say I hate the, I want to kill the president and not have the uh, Secret Service on my doorstep the next day. Yeah, so I mean, there, there are limits to everything. and But some people seem to think there's no limit to the Second Amendment. And I think that's, I don't accept that. Even though I'm pretty liberal, it, it doesn't seem like it in this conversation, but I'm pretty, <laughs> to, compared to you two, I'm, I'm like... Not I am I you know but I I don't love all the executive action I hate executive action as Jason knows and I've yep. said on this podcast because I think it's this is something that Congress should address this is not something that should be done through executive action um, but I think the reason they're having this done through executive action is because we just can't even debate it in our Congress and my, I just know as a person who's been in this forty years why do you think we just can't like discuss and maybe come to some well, kind of compromises. Well, have you read the uh, uh, findings of the Parkland Commission 
uh, you you mentioned the Parkland High School, mm-hmm. which was a gun-free zone essentially, except for one cowardly uh, deputy that decided not right, to right. go to, into the that's right to intervene get into the fray. That's right. Uh, but uh, uh, you know their their uh, conclusion was that teachers who have permits should be allowed to carry concealed. Utah's had uh, teachers and school employees unequivocally allowed by law since 1997 if they have a concealed weapons permit in Utah to carry uh, a concealed weapon in Utah schools. 1997, we haven't had one coworker or one student injured as a result of that policy. That should say something. Yeah, and I and I and I think teachers should be able to carry, especially with the schools kind of becoming more of a target. Um, I also think they're responsible if anything bad happens. But the other thing that I we had a, a superintendent on our show a couple of years ago, and he mentioned to us that laws forbid them from being able to tell law enforcement, say there is a lockdown or an mm-hmm. issue at a school, they can't let law enforcement know, hey, the, Mr. Green, the science teacher is armed and able to help from the inside out, right? Like, so they're not allowed to disclose that information. So I think there are issues in our governing, but we just can't even talk about it. Like, it seems like- We have talked about it. And and for example, uh, a lot of the schools uh, that I'm aware of, and I've been asked to to teach uh, a higher level of concealed carry Mm -hmm. to uh, school employees. uh, And the encouragement was to make sure that law enforcement, and, and it goes through the resource officer, they know who's armed. Uh, yes, it's it's not mandatory for you to d- disclose that you're an armed uh, citizen in a school zone, but generally speaking, it's nice for those who do carry to know that they're not to be considered a target. And so you've had schools discussing it, Amy, just like you're talking about, which is a very healthy thing, and I agree with you on that. We need to have the discussion, and in, in the schools that I'm aware of, the the resource officer and and the local police know which uh, teachers or in, including uh, lunch ladies probably sure. and uh, and uh, uh, janitors uh, maintenance men uh, you know there are a lot of those people uh, in Utah that are armed and and rightfully so and it's and not one I mean look at the safety statistics on that I mean not one injury to a coworker not one injury to a student uh, that's got to say something. Uh, about mm-hmm. gun-free zones. Well, let me ask you I need you to close. Hold on before we get okay. to the next Sorry, question. sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. When I we, know. I'm sorry. When we come back, Amy is going to get the first question, and I also wanted to uh, bring up the idea that guns aren't the problem. People are the problem, and I, I want to kind of talk about that a little bit more, too. You're listening to Voices of Reason. We are back with the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason, Amy Donaldson and Jason Lee. On this episode, we're joined by author and uh, attorney Mitch Vilos. Uh, he's helping us discuss uh, Second Amendment issues and uh, has been an expert on these kinds of things and, and dealt with civil legislation with regard to, uh, to gun issues. You know, uh, Mitch, Amy, I, I'm one of those people, you know, that, that um, even in my house, I was kind of the lone voice because my parents used to tell me how, you know, they thought guns were kind of nutty. And But it's in the fabric of our country. It was... How we got, how we took the country from the uh, the Native Americans, actually. So it's it's it is as American as as the flag to me. But I also think that since there are more guns than people, it is obvious that the vast majority, except for some small, less than one percent of the population who use them for criminal activity, the rest of us use them 
except those people down in Cedar City who uh, Iron County who shot themselves. But uh, that was poor uh, management of their firearms at a gun range. Generally speaking, we just like cars, we, we treat them well. We treat them with the reverence that they uh, deserve because they are deadly weapons, potentially. But otherwise, they're just tools. If you lay it on a table, that gun does not fire itself. Doesn't matter if it's an AR or a 22 or a Glock. They all just sit there until the operator puts it in their hand and does something to it, generally speaking. So I, I never feel like we, we take that into account. We go to this irrational point where we say uh, the guns are the problem because they, 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 the, they're not the ones committing the crime. The guns aren't. They may use those tools to do it. But it's, it's the people who we should address that in ourselves, to me, to figure out why are we, why are we as a society so much more violent than uh, some other places. Not every place, but some other places. Your thoughts? I'm going to let Mitch uh, go first. Do you want to go first, Mitch, or do you have... Well, uh, you know, I hate to bring this in, but but culture, subcultures uh, have uh, some bearing on this. And I don't know why it is, for example, uh, in urban areas, uh, and I here I'm going to get uh, involuntarily uh, political, uh, mostly places controlled by Democrats, uh, you have horrendous crime rates. Uh, I'm going to stop you right Even among you, Hold on for a second. You know, why, why, do you, why did you do that? Like, why, why bring uh, Democrat or Republican in that? It, it's just a fact. But I it's mean, not a fact. The there are plenty of Republicans in, in places where gun violence takes place. Florida is one of them. And Florida has a, a ton of those things. Arizona. Well, look at Texas. I right. mean, Texas, Texas is, has, is, is a Republican yeah, state so. up and down. I mean, I, I do think. So I'm not yeah, saying think, one is worse what, than the other, but I just don't yeah. understand why you did that. I think it's it, I don't think gun violence is political. I think I think extremists and mass shootings definitely are carried out much more by far right people. Um, and I, I the other thing is, I do think Mitch should be able to say what he believes yes, that is feels. Yeah, right. I'm sorry about that. I, I just, yeah. And so no, if that's I, how don't, don't you see it. Yeah. No, yeah. I, you you make a point, Jason, and uh, you know. But I look at Utah. Look at Utah. I mean, I I, I go through the Deseret News uh, uh, listing of homicides in Utah after every year, mm -hmm. uh, trying to figure out, you know, why is this happening? And I look at uh, where the homicides in Utah are occurring in Salt Lake County. You know, but isn't that where all the people are? Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do think the population centers tend to be but you have to look i think inner city violence is much more complicated than i hate to turn um, inner city as a black person by the way y'all well but it's white people too i mean it's my mm -hmm. i mean i, mean. I have that's, it's like a well, I know. we all know what they mean when they say but no but i'm saying that when you have people living in high density situations and you have poverty you enter in poverty there's a lot it's much more complicated than guns um, but it may even be the uh, what is it the uh, the little the lemming effect you know where you have I I don't know maybe that has something to do with it I I'd love to see a psychologist's uh, take on uh, on on urban violence uh, it's uh, it, it is a, a lot more complicated than that and I no they look they've done studies on the layouts of cities and and the ways in which people uh, live and and are are forced to into you know high um, poverty situations and, it, and so I think those things contribute somewhat to like armed robberies and things that maybe someone's using a weapon to commit those crimes but so I think gun, the other thing is I like a red flag law I know lots of lawyers who hate red flag laws because a judge is making that determination but my problem is this guns are a fine you know they're just such a final 
thing. You guys say they're just tools, but they're such an effective tool. They are so, you know, completely good at what they're designed to do that if somebody is having suicidal thoughts and there's a gun in the house, they're three times more likely to follow through on whether on committing suicide. Mm -hmm. And so I think when I look at the rash, the rise of um, mass shootings, I see a, a real dearth of mass shootings between 94 and 2004, and then they've done nothing but rise since. Um, and so I, I just want us to be able to talk about this and say, um, maybe we don't want to live in a society where you can go to the grocery store and you lose your life because you just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, I don't see everybody packing heat as an answer because there are some people that I don't want shooting my direction. They can't, they don't practice. They are not responsible. You guys talked about how you see it as a responsibility and a sanctity. I was raised around guns. My dad is a police officer. He taught me to shoot when I was just a, I mean, before I can really even do ride a bike, I was shooting at cans with my dad. And I'm saying, Everyone doesn't have that experience, and I and I was, we were reckless with those guns. We darn near had an accident when I was a kid. I feel like people don't treat them with sanctity. They don't treat them carefully, and I really think we need to have a real like. We need to get real with ourselves about our own gun culture, and I don't think we are capable of that in this moment. And I don't know what will change. But I don't think a bunch of executive orders, I was very frustrated by this because I feel like it's just more polarizing. Anyway, that's my yeah. two cents. And maybe unconstitutional as well. I mean, I-, I Probably, I it's probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I agree with you, it's probably unconstitutional. So, Mitch, what, I'm gonna give, give you the last word. If, if you thought, you, you feel like you could uh, help uh, these legislators and the president uh, provide actual protections against violence in society? What do you think, uh, what, what would you suggest? Uh, I would suggest that they give uh, serious thought to what our founding fathers intended for our society to be. And it was intended to be an armed society, uh, just like just like uh, we have in Centerville or in Utah. Uh, don't disarm the intended victims uh, and, and to encourage people. I mean, now we have the, the permitless carry in Utah. We're going to have, with permits, we had one out of every six adults had a, a concealed weapon permit. Now, like you, that doesn't mean they're all going to be carrying it at every time, mm -hmm. but at least there are, are probably going to be people that are there to, to help stop the attack. And I'll tell you, uh, Amy, uh, I've looked at the, uh, tried to read the blow-by-blow -blow for all these mass shootings, and when you have a mass shooting, you generally have people moving away from the shooter, and he becomes a pretty clear target. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't recall ever reading about a case where a person was shot during a mass shooting uh, by uh, a defender and, uh, um, and being sued. I, oh, no. I, yeah, you're right about this lawsuit part. But I, I just know, um, reading about the Trolley Square shooting, I think there was this issue of adrenaline, right? Even for a trained police officer. I mean, my dad was saying... My dad's philosophy on guns, I almost got a gun when I was young and single, and he said, look, I don't want you to have a, gun, a weapon, even though he's a believer in them, because he said, if you're not willing to use it to kill somebody, it will be used against you. So I don't... It could be. You know, yeah, that's a very he, good, he, that was good advice. 
he encouraged me to get a dog instead, which I did. But um, <laughs> which is that again and again and again. <laughs> no, but I, but I I do think that if we're gonna have lots of guns running around society, like I think training at a gun, we need to make things so affordable and free because I think some of the people who are most susceptible to gun violence are like women in a domestic violence situation. There oh, exactly. we need to th- we need to rethink the gun culture the way it is because right now i see the people with the guns as the people who are making us more afraid and not they're not involved in the solutions they're just involved they're just stoking this fear and not all of them but i just feel like that's kind of our polarized polarized language right now but if we started i heard an interview with a woman who's lgbtq and she was saying there's a reason the pink pistols and she was saying we this is why we and i i she made some really valid points and I think we have to think about things a little differently and I think we have to take into consideration that there are people who don't want to be around guns my husband hates guns he's been a defense lawyer for 43 years and he wants nothing to do with guns so he shouldn't be required to carry a weapon if you know other people you know I I just think we have to kind of rethink this discussion and if we find the problem I have with mass shootings driving this is I hate that we make a decision about the worst case scenario. I know we have to consider it, but I think that more people die from killing themselves or their loved ones with a gun um, than die in, a ma- in the mass shooting. And it's just that the mass shooting is so terrifying because it can happen anywhere to anyone and you're not doing anything. You know, you're not, you don't have any connection to it. So I, look, I just really, the, yeah. Look how the, Go ahead. the, look how the leaders that are proposing these uh, laws are uh, how they take care of their children, grandchildren, who go to schools uh, that are protected by men with mm-hmm. guns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I'm, I'm saying you know, if you want uh, if you want to disarm anyone in the United States uh, as a as a political leader, first get rid of your armed bodyguards, please, just to be credible. Right, right. Because otherwise, if, if you had somebody walking around protecting you, you might not have to carry a gun either. So yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. So, so Mitch, what, what's the name of your book? Uh, the, the, the two books, the one is uh, Utah Gun Law. Uh, Poncho's Wisdom is kind of the subtitle. <laughs> okay. It's the entertainment package. It's fun. It's a fun read. Uh, and, and that's available now, our fifth edition in most of the gun stores that are small monpog stores. Um, and then the other book, uh, Self-Defense Laws of All 50 States, I'm now working on the third edition, it's almost sold out, uh, but it is available online. Uh, you can get them on Amazon for a, quite a discount if you if you purchase it, it okay. as a uh, ebook. Excellent. Listen, uh, Mitch Velos, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, yes, and adding a thank great you. Deal thank to you so much. Really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Join it's us so again. Nice to talk to both of you. You bet. Join us again for the next episode of the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. If you have any comments about our show, please contact us via email at vormed at gmail dot com or at VORJasonL at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at ADONSports and at JasonLee1. Our show's Twitter handle is at VORPodcast. Check out our Facebook page, and you can also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and all the other places where you find interesting content. Be sure to review our show as well. We love to get your feedback, and it helps us grow our audience. Until next time, along with Amy Donaldson, I'm Jason Lee. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason. Voices of Reason is a production of the Loudmouth Project.
Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.